ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Did I talk with my recovery friend Mark? As you can hear, or as you will hear, he is from the UK, but has been living clean and sober in South Africa for a while now. His spirituality seems to be directly connected with his recovery, but he has a significantly expanded and inclusive concept of a higher power. You will hear him referring to the basic text. That is the book we in Narcotics Anonymous refer to which contains the message of recovery, incorporating the 12 steps and 12 traditions and some very inspirational shares. I am looking forward to hearing the path that Mark has walked to and through his spiritual awakening. Hey Mark, how are you? I'm very well, Freddie, yourself? I am enjoying the cool weather today. <laughs> I took Tyson for a walk earlier this morning. It was so lovely to feel the cool breeze. And let's hope and pray for rain. Yeah, we need much. We need so much. Like three stage. years non-stop. <laughs> like the 40 days and 40 nights from the Bible. And I don't think, it, I don't think we'll have a flood. <laughs> well, Africa's certainly got the animals. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, Mark, you're from the UK. That's right. How long have you been in South Africa now? Uh, it's my second time here, March the 6th, 2014, this time. So you arrived in, on March the 6th, 2014. So that's now about three, four nearly, years, nearly yeah. four years. Yeah. And the first time? Was between 2002 and 2005. Okay. And what brought you to, to the African shores? Um, well, I was in the UK and I was sick and tired of being sick and tired and I got to meetings and through meetings I met my first wife and I came over here for a six-week recce, fell in love with the place and decided to move. Um, I moved here, the marriage fell apart slowly but surely and through financial reasons. I would have stayed, but I'm a big believer in destiny and it wasn't my destiny to stay, but it was my destiny to return. Ah. So I went back to England and I said to myself on the flight back, this is where my heart and soul lies. If I, I'm a big believer, if Africa bites you, <laughs> You got, and it and it got me, and I didn't want to leave, and I cried when I left, and I cried for, and I cried and I cried and I cried, but that's what got me to South Africa. Awesome, I believe once you've walked barefoot on the African soil, mm. you're hooked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I truly believe that. So, I know you're a Manchester United fan, mm. but somehow in the back of my head, I think of you as a soccer coach. Did you ever? Why, yeah. do I, why do I think that? Was that your, your career? Right, well, I have to say football, not soccer. So okay. Soccer's too American for me. But <laughs> no, you, okay. you're Fo quite right. Football. F FC, football club. Yeah. The first time I was here, I did um, coach the under-11s for three years at De Beers. Okay. And I did get a football coaching qualification diploma, and I finished it, I finished it at Ajax Cape Town. I did a little bit in England, not too much, um, and then came over here and did a little bit for the orphanage, but again, not too much. 
Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of truth in that. I'd like to have carried it on further, but through health reasons, varying health reasons, as in a drop foot and diabetes and shoulder surgery, mm. um, all whilst clean. I've not really been able to pursue that. But okay. yes, I love my sport. I love my cricket. Um, rugby's okay. Sorry, big South African fans. Yeah, <laughs> rugby, international international rugby. Cool, but league rugby, no, no, I can't be doing with it. But football, cricket, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's basically okay. forced to stop through injury, really, and illness. Okay. And will the idea be to get back into it when you, your health allows? I don't think so, no. Since me and my wife Jules have been here and done a lot of thinking and a lot of processing, it's become apparent that our journey will direct us as and when required a day at a time and as far as business goes and earning a living I have my own little investment thing that I play around with and I'm quite good with numbers and I play around with numbers but for me yes we need money to survive and to provide the basic essentials that we need um, but it's not something that I strive for I don't in life I do not strive to be rich and wealthy so I, I, I strive to be rich and wealthy inside um, okay. but not I'm not um, what I would say materialistic cool so I, I guess that's a, a start on being spiritual fabulous you were born in where Manchester Manchester yeah okay South Manchester it's a big place okay I don't know the UK at all. I've been to London, and for me, when I think of the UK, it's London. Uh-uh. <laughs> I think a lot of South Africans see it that way, because Heathrow, in the days when we started traveling, was the hub. We, all flights went through Heathrow. We've, anyway, and did you grow up in a spiritual house, in a religious house? Not really. My mother and father, I think, took me to church once to give me the opportunity to see what I felt didn't take me at all they took me to Sunday school to do bits of drawing and that and that didn't take to me at all I've never ever really had a religious bone in my body but I do have a belief in Jesus um, Jesus plays a part of being my higher power. I do believe he was a prophet and he was a good man and he had healing abilities and that he was put on this earth for something, someone for people to believe in because times were so tough that people really were dropping like flies through disease and war or whatever and it gave the average person on the street something to put the faith in. Something resonates with inside me with Jesus Christ. But as far as going to church or reading the Bible or preaching or... No, not really. But that's only part of my higher power and part of my spirituality. My spirituality and my higher power is far more complex. Yeah, so that's what I'd say on religion. So that's interesting. Would you call yourself a Christian? No. Cool. Okay, so you, you're not a Christian, you'd rather call yourself a Jesus believer. 
No. If you have to put a definition to it. No, I'd say I was spiritual, not religious. Okay. But I, in my spirituality, I incorporate Jesus, who happens to be okay. perceived as religious. Yeah. Listen, Mark, so you, so you didn't grow up Christian. Was there a sense of spirituality in the household? Um, yeah, I was always... Mm, spirituality, I mean, doing the right thing. I was always brought up by my mother and father to... to to do the right thing and to show respect to my elders and to open the door for a lady and to sit down and be clean at the dinner table and eat what's put in front of me and if you don't like it you go hungry and you come in from school and you do your homework and then you're allowed to play on a computer. If we had a computer in those days, I think it was a BBC or a Spectrum, not like today, kids home, Xbox, Xbox, anyway, tangent. Um, Spirituality in the home, I was shown love, big part of spirituality, I was shown love, but my dad walked out on us for another woman, which wasn't really very spiritual when I was 15 and my sister was 12 and a half, and that's when I went off the rails and I rebelled. Okay. Hence comes, well not hence comes, but let's say I think a book is in the pipelines, because I have many, many experiences and stories. Okay. So... In a nutshell, going off the rails for you meant drugs. Yeah, well, it led. To, it, yeah, it arrived at drugs, and it arrived at drugs pretty quickly. But the rebellion was at first any authority figure was to fuck off. No, I'm not doing it. Not doing it. Not doing it. Not okay. doing it. I am not listening. I am my own person. You can't tell me what to do. I will do what I want to do, and I will do it when I want to do it. I then moved into the wrong circles because I was very, very easily led. And things that were so-called taboo when I was being brought up became appealing. And okay. you start smoking and progress and progress and progress. And I'd say by the time by the time I was 17, I was totally hooked on alcohol, totally hooked on cannabis, totally hooked on amphetamines. Um, 20, it was ecstasy, it was acid and... Later on, it progressed into pharmaceutical drugs, and I even, yeah, I tried heroin, tried crack. Thankfully, crack was far too horrible and too expensive, and the pie didn't last as long, and heroin, no. It made me throw up the three times I tried it. Thank God for small mercies. <laughs> yeah, thank God for small mercies. There is a God, yeah. So yeah, my, yeah, it led to my rebellion. Did lead to my drug addiction, but I'm a, I, through living and through recovery and through experience, I have come to the conclusion that I firmly believe that if my father hadn't have left, I would still have gone that path. I would still yeah. have found it. I would still have found drugs. I would still have picked up. I would still have found that I am an addict and I have an addictive personality with many addictive traits and. Sort of, I thank him for showing me that so early because maybe it saved me a little bit of pain. Yeah. I, I don't know, I've been through so much pain and suffering, clean and not clean. That, but I always try and think that whatever I'm going through now, clean, pain-wise, be it mental or physical, it's not as bad as when I was using. It's nowhere near as bad. Yeah. It, it can feel it, but you know what? At least I can feel it. I couldn't feel I, I was. I got to four years, ten months, relapsed. 
which is, connects back to when I left South Africa. I got back from South Africa and I was ill and I stopped going to meetings. Then my best fr- friend jumped in front of a train, committed suicide. Oof. I became ill. I stopped doing what I was doing. I went out. Two pints only. Three pints, three double whiskies, brandies later. Come home, not enough. Went walking the streets, looking for cannabis. Came home, two prostitutes and a bag of crack. Got, mm. ro- got robbed. And then that was me back on it. Mark, how old were you when you came into recovery the first time? Um, it was the 11th of January 2001. So how old were you? Um, 11th of January 2001, I would have been 30. Okay, so that was a 15-year hell journey. Yeah, well, I'm 46 now. So from 32 now 46, I've gone four years, 10 months clean, relapsed for around five years, and April I'm coming up seven years clean. Okay. So it's been, my relapse was crazy, and it was prisoner of the old mind. It was mm-hmm. worse than any physical pain I've been through. I isolated and I could not leave my abode. Yeah. Wait, you mentioned that when you went back to the UK, you were physically ill. Is that because of of addiction, something related to it? I believe not. I believe it was loss of... I know it sounds cold, but it didn't really have anything to do with losing my wife because we both agreed that we didn't get on. But it was to do with loss of my dogs, loss of the house, loss of lifestyle, loss of my love for South Africa, and sadness... Um, it was sadness, and then on top of the sadness with my friend doing what he did, the, the feelings just became too much, and I knew what I should have done, and I didn't do it. Okay. Did you go into treatment? I did go into treatment. Okay. I went into treatment. I did something called the Priory. Oh, actually, I know the Priory, yeah. Yeah, um, and I did, it was 12-step based, a lot of the stars, rock stars, footballers going there. It did cost a little bit of money, but it was worth it because it planted the seed. And I got clean. I did six weeks in there, and from there I got um, sent to another twelve-step house in Bournemouth, and I did primary treatment there for three, two months, and then I went slightly up the coast to Southampton and did another two months secondary treatment, and then. I was seven months clean and got put in a recovery house where there was twelve of us. Eight were on crack, one was smoking weed, and there was about three of us that managed to stay clean because we worked the programme. Oh, wow. Now, when I went into treatment, yes, I latched onto it, and whatever I got told to do for my recovery, I did. And went over the top, because I am sort of obsessive-compulsive disorder, a little <laughs> bit mixed in, and if someone tells me to do it, I I'd, I'd, I'd just, yeah, I did, every, I did everything. Mm. Um, I ate, slept, and breathed N.A., because I knew I was beaten. I was sick and tired of being yeah. sick and tired, and I was done. I hear you. Done, finished. So you definitely had the, the, the gift of desperation. Yeah, without doubt. Cool. And how did your sense of spirituality develop? Was it an immediate thing? No. I definitely, the sense of developing a higher power came straight away. Um, so you I, knew you needed one, otherwise you're going to fuck up. 
Yes. Okay. And I would I would even say before their before treatment I knew there was something bigger and loving and caring bigger than me. I, I just didn't know how to access it or I couldn't even see it because I was blinkered because of the drugs, but I knew something was there. Was that just a feeling? It was a feeling, but it was a, it was and it was an I know feeling. Okay. It, it, it was my higher power developed, and through developing my higher power, I found spirituality. Now, spirituality for me, I suppose, started, but without me really knowing I was being spiritual, because I didn't connect working the steps as being spiritual. Yep. But today, I connect spirituality with, and this is just a, a fraction of it, spirituality of knowing oneself. And to know oneself is to know God. To do that, I thank NA, because that's where it all started. Working the 12 steps gave me the ability to understand Mark and the concept of what makes Mark tick. And from that has given me the ability to access in various different ways what I perceive but now I would say again, no spirituality and live a spiritual life and practice these principles in all our affairs. <laughs> okay. I could carry on, but yeah. I don't want to just take over and speak for an hour. Which <laughs> <laughs> you can do when you start on this stuff. Yeah. Listen, Mark, you know how they say that when we relapse, the first thing we lose is our connection with the higher power. Was that the case for you? Mm, yes, but it didn't, like, vanish. It slowly evaporated the more he used, the f further distance it became until the blinkers were back on and it had gone. But the ironic thing is, in my relapse of, of around five years, all the time I had the basic text next to my bed. Oh God, it must have been awful. I, I didn't see it. Didn't oh, are you serious? The blinkers were so on. The, the blinkers were so on, I'd, and the denial, didn't even know I actually lied. He's how I break yeah. down denial. And, you know, just skipping from knowing that text was there to actually coming back to South Africa for the second time when I got clean. Um, Did you was, get clean first and then come back to South Africa? Yeah, I got clean on the 9th of April 2011. Okay. The second time, and I saw the basic text, and I went to a meeting. Well, how it happened? Okay, quite graphic, but true. Coming up to five years of using after my relapse, and I was sat on the stump. I was sat on my sofa, with holding a carving knife, dug in my stomach, um, ready to plunge it and take my own life. And the phone rang, and I dropped my phone. I, I dropped the knife. And I picked up the phone. Hi, Mark, it's Rob. Now, Rob um, was the person I met in treatment who got clean originally with me in 2001. Good and I still have connections with today. Oh, fantastic. And he's still clean. And he said to me, how are you doing? And I said, you know, after dropping a carving knife at the stomach, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> No, this sorry, is this sorry is how I know, I know, so but it's, not funny. <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre how drugs can just totally. I mean, 
cheat, lie, steal, deceive, numb. It's not. It's not even close. But the, the English vocabulary does not cover it. it I said, okay, what are you using? You clean. Blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I'm still smoking weed, but I've, I've stopped taking pills and powder, and I don't drink anymore, so I'm okay. He said, you're a lying fucker. He said, <laughs> I know you, and I've known you long enough. He said, what you need is to get to an NA meeting. He said, NA might not need you at the moment, but you need NA. And he put the phone down. <laughs> and that was it. So he didn't offer to take you to a meeting? or didn't... No, well, he was the other side of the country. Okay. He was the other side of the country, literally 300 miles away. And it was just a random phone call. But talk about higher power moment. Yeah. And... Now, I'd, I said I'd dropped the knife previously. I'd not. I'd, I must have had the knife in the, I must have swapped the knife. And then when I put the phone down, after what he said, I dropped the knife. Okay. And I burst into tears. Oh, and awesome. I cried and cried and sobbed and wept. Like, I can't remember sobbing and crying for a long time. And my next move, I still I don't know how I had a laptop amusing because you sell your possessions, and I did. But I still had a laptop, and I went on it and I googled NA World Service because obviously I got clean time, and the seed was planted and yeah. I, knew, I knew where to go. I didn't need any direction, so and I helpline World Service blah 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 nearest meeting to me phone number phoned it, went to the bank. I had forty English pounds left, twenty pound in a taxi there, twenty pound in a taxi back. I've been clean since. You had forty pounds left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> and I, I probably came back with about pound fifty or £2. Oh, my God. But I've been clean since that phone call. Yeah. So Freaky. Higher power steps in and yeah. without a doubt saved my life. <laughs> amazing. I've had my nine lives. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the spirituality of the program did that click in immediately again where it was we put the, no. no but was that again a long process yeah it was it, it, the higher power again clicked in straight away and i find the cleaner i get um the the stronger my bond with the higher power the more it metamorphosizes to put the the stronger my conscious contact uh the more trust and faith i mean i'll put my life in my in my higher power's hands now gladly and not bat an eyelid. I know, metaphorically, if I jump off a cliff, I'm going to be caught. Uh, and I have been through so much, mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally, whatever. And I'm still here. It's not my time. You're not just here, you're clean. And, oh, yes. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, clean. Without being clean, I stress, again, you can't do anything. You can't move forward. Um, NA is the foundation for me of... It's a bridge to normal living, and it's given me that and some and so much more a beautiful relationship that's had woe some ups and woe some downs but was starting starting to plateau out and my spirituality now is i believe that i'm a spiritual being leading a human existence not a human being leading a spiritual existence and to clarify that and to allow people to understand could take time so i'll just leave it with the Possibly 90% won't understand and 10% will. I sort of feel as though everything I try to do is spiritual. I try and be the best person I can be. I try and help others. I try and help myself. I try and forgive. I try and practice all my character assets, not my defects. 
um, <laughs> I um, practice my step 10 and make an amends as soon as I've made a, a, a wrong, which today happens very, very quickly when I've seen the, amend when I've seen the mistake. Yeah. I see it very, very quickly and I try to, I, and, well, no, I don't try, I do make the amend unless when to do so would injure oneself or others. But I also meditate, I can meditate in our spiritual room and I place crystals on myself and that can cause TRE, which I also did, which is trauma release exercises, which sort of, if you can picture a bucket full of water. And a, it, a what full of water? A bucket. A bucket, okay. Yeah, and the bucket's full of water and the water is your emotions and one more drop and your emotions overspill. When you get to a point and you tremor, you contort and your body shakes and it somehow, it's apparently from the expert I went to see, it's been around for millennia and it's been used for millennia by human beings to for that exact reason. And I did six months and it emptied my bucket by about a third. And if I hadn't have done that, it wouldn't have allowed me to accept the shit that came my way after that. So Doesn't trauma release freak you out? No. Feels totally natural. It <laughs> you know what freaks me out about it? Is the the way I think I look. <laughs> Yeah, and that I, I was offered when, when I did my internship, I, w I knew about trauma release. And when I did my internship at the treatment facility, I was offered to do it with the patients. And I said, no, thank you, because I was so freaked out about how I'm going to look. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, somebody said, oh, come on, let's do it. And I, I, I went to do it, but I insisted lying in the back of the class where nobody could see, could, none of the patients could see me. And I loved it. But mm -hmm. I was acutely aware that I, I possibly looked stupid. Self-centered. <laughs> it is. It is self-centered, and as addicts, we, you know, we and again that, but that sort of part of being spiritual for me is to lose that, lose that self-centeredness, mm. ego, which I use as edging God out. That's, as I say, that's just another part of me being spiritual. I'll, I'll place crystals on my stomach, but another great way for me, a simple way of meditating, is get in amongst nature. Okay. Get a cup of coffee and sit under a tree and just sit and clear your mind and clear your thoughts and smell the air. Be barefoot. I, I allude back to what you said about being <laughs> barefoot on the South African sand. South African terra firma will do it. It doesn't matter whether it's sand, coral, pebbles. Yeah, sitting under a tree, meditating. I love going to Gordon's Bay and having something to eat and watching the world go by. And then... We'll go for a walk on the beach with the dog, and the dog will roll in seaweed, and we'll, we'll sit on <laughs> Smell it. like crap. Yeah, yeah. And, and make a total mess of the back here, but that that's, that's, that doesn't matter. And then we'll find our little mound of sand dune, and we'll sit, and we'll just sit, and me and Jules, I mean, we don't really talk. We, the odd sentence might be spoken, but we just sit there, and we just look at the mountains, and we look at the ocean, and... Sometimes I will go and give affirmations to the universe and I will put, obviously I'll try and make myself as private as possible, but I will walk into the sea and I will open my arms and this is another part of my higher power is, or, or spiritual, spiritualism is the universe. Uh, it goes way past God, it goes way past higher power. The, the, the bigger picture, I'm not going to go into it because the, there's another book. 
but I say I, I, I truly believe that if I stand in the ocean and I say universe hear this message I let go of the fear of Bella dying I, I feel that I have truly let it go okay and that is how one of the ways I let things go I hand it over not I hand it over to my higher power yes but I also hand it over to the universe um, incorporated in my higher power are also um, lost loved ones, nature, archangels, anything and everything, Buddha, uh, Rastafarianism, without the cannabis. Um, but I love reggae music. I listen to reggae music. Mm, me for, as well. I, th I believe reggae waters the soul. And we had a bit of a session about two hours last night or the night before me and Jules just lying down and, well, dancing, but I lay down to a couple of tracks. I was just beautiful and it brought back memories and I shed a few tears and to me crying that's another form of release it's another form of being spiritual I, I believe that crying waters the soul um, God didn't give us tear ducts to be brave and say I'm not crying I'm a man I don't cry bullshit you don't, yeah. you don't that's not how I was raised I was raised to if you feel like crying cry there's nothing wrong with crying Mark, did you go on a a search, kind of an intellectual, when to study things like Buddhism and Rastafarianism and those type of things, or did they just accumulate over a period of time? Um, a little bit of both. Done a little bit of research into what touched home inside. Um, and one example was the CRE, but the other one we went to Betty's Bay. The CRE. Sorry, the TRE. Theory. Yeah, that's just one example. Okay. And the other one that sort of got me was um, we were pointed in the direction of a medium. So we went to someone in Betty's Bay and he put, he didn't put actually put hands on. Well, he did at first, he clicked us both into place, just very simply. And then he lays on a bed and he, he showed me how to breathe properly up. He said, breathe in through your nose and over the top of your skull and envision that. And then down your spine and up and loop and through your chakra points and hold it in and exhale slowly and he pointed out there that my chakras were all out of line and basically my heart chakra is done it is knackered oh i good. can quite freely give out unconditional love but my heart was blocked to receiving love ah. now that led me to another person who was connected to that person, but it, it, the connection didn't happen via the two people being connected. It <laughs> happened. It happened via a third party. Oh, freaky! Um, and this was a lady who you basically introduce yourself to and write a quick, brief synopsis of past importance things, medicals things, um, things wrong with you, and but not give her too much information. And within three days, she sends you a recording and you listen to it. And she is spot on. Absolutely spot on. I've done it twice and she's given me things. She was the one that got me barefoot under the trees, give a tree a hug. And she said straight away, your heart is closed off to receiving love. It's totally closed off. A good way to do that is to use the breathing technique you've been shown, but try and envisage on your in-breath the end of a pink balloon attached to your heart 
and as you in breathe deflate the balloon and as you breathe out slowly which I've started I won't say I've mastered it because you never master meditation but I can get better as you breathe out imagine the pink balloon filling with light pink light and love okay and do that repeatedly and I've been doing it every night since and I've noticed a difference. Oh, Jules, wow. Jules has noticed a difference. And I now would say have the ability to let other people's love in, which was a huge stumbling block for me. Interesting. When I did early recovery, I did a trauma course. Mm. And at the end of the course, we were eight people. We had to stand in front of each other and look each other directly in the eye for two minutes. Oh my God, mm -hmm. what an uncomfortable feeling. It is hard work. It is so intimate and so intense. As I stare into your eyes, Freddie. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> and um, afterwards, the, the feedback was that I didn't allow anybody in. Mm. I, was, I was forcing everybody out. Yeah. So very much of the same type of thing. I was more than willing to give. Mm -hmm. But the receiving was, was a whole new journey that I had to go on. Mark, you mentioned Bella dying. Mm. Now, when I got to Somerset West, you were already in the rooms here. And you were the guy at the Sunday meeting when we still sit outside in the old venue. Mm. The guy with the dog. Yeah. So when I think of you, I think of you and Bella. Mm. How long have you had her? She's a She's a... Cross. Oh, she's a, she's um, a stuffy cross. Stuffy cross. Yeah. Uh, she's a stuffy cross, and she'll be thirteen on April the fifth. And I got her from Grappenall Rescue Dogs Home when she was approximately six months old. Grappenall, Grappenall in the UK. Yeah, it's in a place. Okay. It's in a place. Well, it's on the way to Warrington. Okay. Which is sort of in between Manchester and Liverpool, but I won't go there either. But anyway, <laughs> I got her when she was about six months, and I remember every every. Every second of that day, um, I bought her a lead and a collar and I made sure she was chipped and I got her injected and with the right things and, uh, and I tied her to the... Was that during the first clean period? Right, now she was born in 2005 and no, um, right, was, was I clean or was I using? Now I came back from South Africa and this is where I've got to get my dates precise, which is difficult if you're using, so <laughs> I would, so I would, mm. it was around the time, no, I was using, I definitely was, because I remember Bella going through a hell of a lot, actually, no, I was definitely using, um, sure. and I probably had her for three, four years, actually now thinking about it using, because I can remember some terrible things she went through, and shaking, and people coming in, and smashing vodka bottles, oh, and, oh. and punching me, and just, having the wrong people in the environment yeah. and her squealing off and going upstairs so she has seen the using side um, okay but the unconditional love is there yeah from, always from both sides always and when I got clear she used to be scared of music because when I put music on it'd be loud and it'd be deafening and there'd be neighbours complaining and there'd be fights breaking out so she associated music oh shame with bad times yeah and now she can be fast asleep on the bed and i put a bit of reggae on and she trots through and she loves it oh cool because she's seen a huge yeah. change in me so to answer your question i've had her about 12 and a half years and she is 
my little baby. Well, you two are inseparable. In, yeah. Have you made an amend to her? I have. Is it? Oh, fantastic. I have. That is absolutely, I have. absolutely what, I beautiful. Won't, I won't go into what I did, mm. but it, what, it wasn't right and it felt sickening. And I was using and it's not an excuse, but yeah. we do things that aren't pleasant when we're in the... I get the feeling that <clears throat> somehow she's a part of your spirituality. Yes, without a doubt. Without a doubt, yeah. She is... Dogs, I know it's obvious, but dog backwards is God. And I, I truly believe that all creatures are God's creatures, but dogs are... They have something special, they have something extra, and Bella, without doubt, is part of who I am. And okay. I will go as far as saying part of who Jules is as well. Yeah. Now, you... You've been through hell and back with regards to your health over mm. the past, since I've known you. And before so, that. Before that as well. Shit, 18 broken bones before that. Oh my God, no. Uh, a dozen morphine drips, uh, being headbutted off a horse, being <laughs> run over and having a broken <laughs> ankle, being set on fire. Headbutted off a horse. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> being set on fire, being run over, um, fractured ankles, two hairline fractures of the skull. Um, breaking bones playing cricket, broken wrists playing football, um, just pancreatitis in and out of hospital every two weeks, four two weeks, and as soon as I get out, I start again. And yeah, and then since you've known me, plus got diabetes, have a shoulder operation, been in um, two treatment houses to be on this medication because I've got this, I've got bipolar, I've got epilepsy, I've got this. Oh. I've not. And I've, you know what? Another part of my journey in spirituality and finding out how spiritual I can be has been coming off these medications. Now, I am not for one minute suggesting or saying that pharmaceutical medications don't have their place. But I do believe in some cases they... Um, blinker people and do not allow them to think for themselves because I got to a place where I had been through the A to Z of pharmaceutical antidepressants, um, antipsychotics, mood enhancers, everything and I just got to, one day I just went you know what I don't, I don't want this, I don't need it, I don't need it but it took me to go through so much pain and so many different tablets and so many different lectures with psychiatrists and psychologists and social workers and this expert and that expert and so much mental trauma and pain and sleepless nights for me to say, you know what, I don't need these tablets. I can, I can do this bit on my own. I can treat this like recovery, like drugs. Okay. So that's been a, your illnesses have been a huge part of your spiritual journey. Yes. In strengthening the, the connection and the faith and the, the trust and the hope. Mm. Okay. Mark, as things stand now, this is my last question for, for the interview, for the chat. Are yeah. you happy? In this moment, yeah. In this moment, yeah, I'm very happy, yeah. Um, Generally? Generally, I'd, I'd say yes as well, yeah. I've, I've got more as long as I've got what I need to survive and not what I want then I believe I'm on the right path um, if I've got food in my fridge a roof over my house a roof over my house a roof, 
You know what I mean? A roof over I know exactly head. what you mean. Um, I've got a loving relationship, um, which is fantastic and growing all the time. I've got food. This country can make your heart bleed. And my gratitude is immense for what I have, we have. Not so much materialistically, yes, materialistically, but more... The fact that I am happy in my own skin and I will make mistakes and I will continue to make mistakes but I would like to think today I learn off them and I don't repeat the same mistake and expect a different result. But <laughs> I would like to think today I am reasonably sane. People would disagree if you got to know me <laughs> and you let me rant and if this interview was... Didn't have you there, Freddie. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be possible. But there's my... There's my um, um, Ego, there's my me coming out. So, it, it, yeah, we've all got it and it comes out at surprising times, but am I happy? Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Mark, thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the time, the energy, and I know we had to do it now because you're becoming a part-time, full-time father soon. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> which is going to be a yeah. huge responsibility. Yeah. Looking which forward I think to will it. definitely take you on a spiritual, it's going to be a Spiritual challenge. Yeah, it's going to which... practice what I've <laughs> said. I was going to say preach, but I don't try not to preach. But yes, it will be a test. But I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. I'm very happy for you. Awesome. Look after yourself. Have a good day. Thanks, Freddie. Okay. And yourself. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. It sounds as if Mark has genuinely gone through hell and back during his active addiction and that it seems to be a miracle that he is still alive. As my mother would say, his guardian angel is definitely working overtime. You heard that his recovery journey is also everything but a bed of roses, but he seems to be using these challenges to strengthen his sense of spirit and to perceive all the challenges as mere hurdles on his journey. He is truly an inspiration. He is truly an inspiration of what one can go through and still stay clean and practice spirituality. I thank him for that strong message. If you have any feedback or remarks, please feel free to pop me an email or connect on social media. It will be great to hear from you. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash freddy.org.za, or on Twitter at, at RendsburgFreddy. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Be safe. Bye.